It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, Soroka should have stayed up. Falcons depth chart is released and Michael Harris year over year. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So it was a rough night for Soroka last night, who was called back up and made a start last night against the last place St. Louis Cardinals, and he got roughed up pretty good uh, in a very short stint. And it got me thinking that, you know, again, I know it's going to be a lot of people say, see, see, he's not ready for the majors and, and pitching up here at this level and all this kind of stuff. But it made me think the actual opposite is why was Soroka not up here the whole time figuring out how to get major league hitters out? I mean, again, while he's down in Gwinnett, and by the way, he won the International Pitcher of the Month Award in Gwinnett. Uh, and he had, you know, a one five ERA and blah, 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 you know, and all this, that, and the other, but he was the international league pitcher of the month. And meanwhile, while he's down in the minors, getting minor league hitters out, triple a hitters out, that's not the same as learning how to get Aaron judge out again. That's not the same as getting quality capable major league hitters out. And again, they paid the price, right? Soroka went three innings, four hits, five runs. He did have six strikeouts in the game, but gave up a couple of home runs. But instead of him being down in Gwinnett, getting those guys out, why was he not up here getting starts over Yanni Shiranos or anybody to get himself acclimated to getting major league quality hitters out? And I don't understand the service manipulation. I thought we were done with all of that. We're a World Series team. I mean, I'm sorry, but if Michael Soroka is good enough to be with us long here, they'll extend him and they'll give him an offer and they'll keep him around. We don't have to worry about those things. I mean, I, I thought we were past all of this, the service time manipulation of guys. Like that's back when we were dealing with Ronnie, when he was first coming up and all this, that, and the other, and Austin Riley and all this. Now we're we're the top organization in Major League Baseball, with all due respect. Why are we playing mind games, as John Lennon would say? I, I don't understand it. But instead of allowing Michael Sproka <clears throat> to take his lumps up here, like he's still more valuable learning to get Major League hitters out again than he is winning the pitcher of the month award in the international league. And I just don't understand the way that they used him and the way that this season has gone. You've got such a big lead in the division. The division has been over 
for months, for months. Like not, well, in the last few days or, well, in the last week or so. The division has been over for months. And you're still not using a guy like Soroka to learn how to try to get guys up at this level and get them out again. And again, if we could just see whether or not Soroka can be part of the long-term solution. Like I said before on this podcast, I want to find out if Michael Soroka is part of the solution. Because if he's not part of the solution, then part ways with him. Then don't offer him arbitration or whatever next year. Just part ways with him and, and quit the cycle, right? Quit the Quit the spinning your wheels in mud kind of thing. But now we don't learn anything about Michael Soroka. We see him one time up, and I, I, I'll, I would be willing to guarantee you, it wouldn't surprise me if they sent him back down to the minors one more time. Wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, hopefully he's up here to stay, and, and I'll even accept the rough outing given where we're at. But I wanted to see Michael Soroka and stay up here and, and get some quality starts and get some effective starts. I'm not even so much worried about is he going to be a pitcher that can really help us in the playoffs or anything like that. I'm not worried about that at this point. I feel like I've got myself a pretty good starting rotation. And by the way, have you seen the Braves rotation of late and how good that they've been? They only gave up seven runs to the Dodgers in that series. I mean, they were really good. And again, with Strider and Morton and Freed, and Freed was outstanding over the weekend. And Bryce Elder. I mean, I think we've got four good quality starters. Some maybe more than others, but I think we feel like we're in pretty good shape going into a series against somebody, including the Dodgers, by the way. But I wanted to see Soroka stay up here and not worry about trying to get minor league hitters out. That's all great that is the international pitcher of the month and all this good stuff. That's great for him, but it's not helping the big ball club. You know, I, I'm sorry, but the striper's success isn't about what I'm really looking for. I, I, I want this club to be successful. I want us to have the success up here. Now, look, if it's if it's a situation where it's too crowded in our rotation to keep a Soroka up here, that's one thing. But it hasn't been too crowded, and we've dealt not with nothing but injuries to our starting staff all year long. And, and we're watching Kyle Wright get himself ready. And again, when he finds his way back up here, he had a good quality start last night. So again, why not have given the opportunity for Soroka to get major league caliber hitters out? I don't understand it. I don't understand what we're doing from the service time manipulation and, and the thought of getting guys out at that level to figure out a way to get, I mean, again, say what you will, but there aren't very many Aaron judges or Otani's or Jose Altuve's or guys like that at the triple a level. We, we, you're not going to see a lot of those kinds of guys. So why not learn to get guys out and, and get major league caliber quality hitters out? Like I said, even if you struggle and you can and you consistently struggle up here, 
then that gives me a better indication about what the future is going to be. Now we just kind of like, well, he had success here. Well, he didn't do so well here. Well, he did have a good start here. Now we don't really know. And now we're back to, you know, well, you know, can we have an extra year of arbitration with him or whatever like that? Like, why? Why are we playing these games again? Like, why are we getting in all of it? Well, you don't understand. I, I understand completely. We're a world, we're a different organization now. We're, we're at a different level now. We're the best organization in Major League Baseball. We're the number one organization in Major League Baseball. You look at our player development, our scouting, our success, where we're at as a, we're the number one organization in Major League Baseball. Not the Yankees, not the Dodgers, not the Astros. It's us. We're, we're the top of the heap. How many teams could allow a Dansby Swanson and a Freddie Freeman over a couple of year period to exit their club and you don't miss a beat because of your player development, scouting, the guys you bring in? Like how many franchises could not have those kinds of guys walk out the door and you never know that they're gone? Yeah, would we like to have those guys? But from a success standpoint, we don't miss those guys at all. The guys we plugged in and, and you know, acclimated in here, we got one guy that's about to set the franchise record for home runs, and we got another guy who was the starting shortstop in the All-Star game. How many organizations do that? So, again, we're the best organization in baseball, but I don't understand the whole way we've worked with Michael Soroka. Hopefully, again, he'll get a chance to stay up here, even with some rough patches, and we'll find out and we'll figure out more with Soroka, but I don't know what we're going to do at this point. I don't know how much we're going to learn or even if they're going to let him be a part of this club when all is said and done. All right, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and listen, we've got one more night before uh, NFL is kicking off for real, not preseason. But for real, Thursday night NFL action, Detroit and Kansas City kicks off the new season. And FanDuel's got a great special for you right now from America's number one sports book. Right now, if you're a new customer to FanDuel, you bet $5 and you get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. And if you're one of those customers that bets $5, you'll also get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. That's right. $200 in bonus bets, $100 off NFL Sunday ticket just by being a new customer and betting $5. Obviously, FanDuel is a safe, secure, super easy to use app. You can bet on everything from point spreads to player props and everything in between. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and kick off the season with an offer you don't want to miss. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. $200 in bonus bets just by making your first $5 bet. FanDuel.com slash locked on, the official partner of the NFL. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy 
of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. So the first Falcons depth chart was released uh, ahead of the uh, opener against the Carolina Panthers. And, and a couple of thoughts about this. <clears throat> One is that sneaky old Arthur Smith pulling a, a fast one on us and not having D. Alford listed as a punt returner anywhere on the depth chart during the preseason. And now he shows up as the starting punt return guy on the depth chart with Cordell Patterson being the number one kick return guy and Mike Hughes being his backup. Now, obviously Hughes is just coming back from injury, right? He's just, he just started practicing, I guess on Monday and he's been out for a while, but that sneaky Arthur Smith, that, that wascally guy, again, we were asking about where D Alford is on the depth chart for punt returns, because again, he wasn't even listed through the preseason. Now it turns out he's your star and look good. I mean, I, again, I'm not, I'm not mad and we're having a little bit of fun, you know, with all of this, but, but good. And, and it does tell you again, how meaningless depth charts are in the preseason, but D Alford being our punt return guy is great. I mean, again, let's see what he can do with no Avery Williams this year. You know, let's see what D Williams, D Alford, I should say, <laughs> Billy, I was going to say Billy D Williams, but what D Alford can do this year. And again, he had the big 79-yard punt return in the preseason and all this kind of stuff. But Arthur Smith pulling his uh, shenanigans and pulling all of his trickery um, out there. Um, you know, besides that, I mean, <clears throat> if you look offensively, I mean, it's pretty pretty standard. The other thing that is kind of funny is you've got wide receiver, then your offensive line, then your tight ends. you got two tight ends listed. You have two wide receivers that are listed. Um, your running backs are B. John Robinson and Tyler Algier. Uh, and then the J position is listed. And that's the, as Arthur Smith calls it, the joker position. So you look and you say, okay, you know, uh, LG, okay, left guard, RT, right tackle, Kayla McGarry, okay. John New Smith, TE, okay. We understand that. WR for Drake London. RB, QB. I thought, by the way, we weren't having positions listed. Should would have been even funnier if we just didn't have positions listed um, on there. And then that J for the Joker position. I guess that's the catch-all do-all. So, um, look, I I would have liked to have been the Riddler um, because at times I get confused about all these things. But okay, I mean, Cordell Patterson is the Joker. I don't know what that means. Well, I do kind of know what it means, but I don't know what it means at the end of the day. Um, positionless football, right? So Cordero Patterson is a guy who is going to be a catch-all, do-all type of guy, right? And we know that. He's going to line up at receiver. He's going to line up at running back. <clears throat> he's going to line up in the slot. He's going to do all these different things, but he's the wild card, right? And by the way, we'll see if he even plays. You know, We'll get a better understanding from 
Arthur about the injury report when we get into Wednesday and we'll learn a little bit more about whether or not he's going to play or not because some questions about whether or not he's going to be able to go come Sunday but still you know obviously we have we have our running backs uh, with with Algier and Robinson it is interesting that Robinson is listed as the starter and I'm not saying he doesn't deserve all of that but it is funny that you see a second year 1000 yard running back not be listed as the starting running back for a team like how many franchises would that have happened to you have a second year 1000 yard rushing running back and he's not even listed as the starter and, and not because of Jim Brown or Walter Payton in front of him but a rookie in front of him I- interesting from from that standpoint um defensively um look as far as Jarrett Onyemata Calais Campbell you know no issues or problems there obviously um Bud Dupree and Ebba Katie at the outside linebackers Inside Caden Ellis and Troy Anderson, obviously we're going to see a big rotation of those guys. We'll see Taquan Graham on the defensive line. I think we'll see Lorenzo Carter get plenty of snaps at the outside linebacker position. Uh, Nate Landman, who's a guy that had a nice preseason in, in training camp, he'll mix into that inside spot. So no real surprise there. Um, A.J. Terrell, Jeff Okuda, the corners. Again, we'll learn more about Jeff Okuda. As the, as the week goes along, whether or not that he's going to have any kind of short-term IR or if they're just going to, you know, not play him for the first week or two or whatever. You know, it'll be nice to just get more of an update from Arthur Smith on all of that. So by and large, no real, you know, no real issues or problems or or anything like that with, um, you know, with the, uh, with the roster and the depth chart. D. Alford is listed as the nickelback with Clark Phillips uh, as his backup. So, no real surprises. Um, nothing really to you know write home about. Um, again, the Joker position and, and Cordero Patterson changed his avatar on Twitter to a picture of the Joker. I love that. Uh, I love that. I mean, I I I I think that that's fun. But by and large, let's go. Let let's get rocking and rolling. Let's let's line up against Carolina. And again, as I said yesterday, lie, cheat, steal. Take a page out of the Eddie Guerrero playbook. Lie, cheat, steal. Whatever we have to do. I don't care if you want the Joker, the Riddler. I don't care if you want Lex Luthor at quarterback. Whatever you need, let's go get a victory on Sunday and and get this thing on track. First victory to open up a season since 2017 would be really nice. So we'll see what happens there. All right, as you make hitting hard your first listen, be sure to go into whatever podcast platform that you're listening on. Let us know that you're an everyday listener to this show. We call them our everydayers. And Leave us a comment in the uh, uh, platform that you're on. Let us know that you do listen in five days a week to our shows. So Michael Harris, year over year. It's interesting because Michael Harris is now at game 114 played for the Atlanta Braves this season where he had 114 games played last year. And it is kind of eerily eerily similar, um, you know, for all of the struggles that Michael Harris had at the beginning of the year, he's rounded himself into form now. And again, everything kind of balancing out. But it's interesting. He's had 114 games played each of the last two years. 441 plate appearances last year. 439 plate appearances this year. 
but a couple of, of things that are a little bit different. Um, 27 versus 24 doubles this year, you know, three triples, 19 homers last year to 13 this year. Power's been down a little bit. That was partly because of, you know, the beginning of the year where he was really struggling. But these are the, but this is a couple of things that I'm very much encouraged by. Last year in the 441 plate appearances, 21 walks with 107 strikeouts. This year, 25 walks with only 82 strikeouts. And again, if you're talking about being a guy who can hit more at the top of the order, you don't necessarily want a guy who's going to strike out 130, 145 times, unless you're telling me he's got a lot of power and he drives in a lot of runs. But that's encouraging that the walks, even, even if it's very slightly, are up. Meanwhile, the strikeouts are significantly down. That's a pretty good chunk of strikeouts that you're down. You want guys that put the ball in play if you're going to be at the top of the order. 107 strikeouts to only 82 this year in basically the same exact number of plate appearances and games played. That's a significant uptick, and, and that's really good to see for a young hitter way cutting down on his strikeouts year over year. The batting average is literally almost similar. 297 last year, 295 this year. The on-base, 339, 338 this year. Again, the power is a little bit down, but you also love the fact that when he's getting on, it's the same stolen bases. 20 steals last year, 20 steals this year. Only two caught stealing last year, three caught stealing this year. And there's a little bit of a difference in the OPS. And here's what I'll say. Either Michael Harris or Ronald Acuna Jr., should also be the gold glove winner. If you told me that, if you told me that Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna, and Michael Harris are your three gold glove outfielders, I got no problem with that. And you saw the catch that Michael Harris made running a ball down, you know, that would either have been out or up against the wall or what have you last night. But I've got no problem, no issue if you tell me that one or both of those guys are the gold glove winners. Now, I think Mookie Betts is going to be a gold glove winner. He's been outstanding defensively this year. So while Ronnie's the MVP of the league, we talked about this yesterday, while Ronnie's running away with the MVP of the league, no reason to think that Mookie Betts isn't at least a gold glove player um, in the outfield who's had an outstanding year defensively. So again, no problem with that. But Michael Harris should be a serious gold glove contender. And he was a, a finalist last year and all that in his rookie year. But when you factor in another year and another successful season and obviously battling through the injuries and everything else, he's really turned his season around. And, and year over year, it's eerily similar about how consistent the numbers are. But that little bit of an uptick in walks with a pretty drastic uh, decrease in the number of strikeouts is the thing that I've looked at and I've been talking about all year long. Even when he was hitting, you know, in the 250s and 240s and things like that, you saw that the walks had gone up slightly, but the strikeouts were coming down. And that's what you want to see out of a young hitter. And again, when we talk about the idea of hitting up near the top of the order, you know, if Michael Harris does profile eventually into a number two hitter, Although, again, I, I love having Ozzy, you know, up there, um, you know, and when you look at Michael Harris's splits, you know, in the order, the nine hole has been a, 
a really good position for him to hit in. But if we are talking about a guy who is going to hit at the top of the order, you'd like to have a guy that puts the ball in play more, either draws more walks and gets on base for your boppers or puts the ball in play to use his speed and put pressure on defenses. And with Ronnie and Michael Harris, again, when you see those two guys at the top of the order, and even Ozzy to a, a different degree, who, by the way, hit his 29th home run um, in the game last night, that power-speed combination at the top of the order is lethal. That's why I love Ronnie or Ozzy or Ronnie and Michael Harris hitting at the top of the order, putting all kinds of pressure on defenses, and, and all of a sudden, again, infield bleeders, you know, bunt singles, whatever. I mean, just, you know, going the opposite way. When you get those two guys on base, either one, I mean, I, either one of the three, Harris, Ozzy, Ronnie, and they're just circling the bases, you know, because Riley and Olsen are putting balls up against the wall or, you know, hitting balls out of the ballpark and, and putting up crooked numbers on the scoreboard. You love to see that. But Michael Harris has had a, a, a really nice year, all things considered. It's taken a little bit to get to that level, but I think at the end of the year, when we look at it, that there's definitely some good changes. And it's just a, it's a nice point to just kind of look at that, okay, it's been the same number of games this year and last year, and it's literally only two plate appearances different. And you can see the little increase in walks, the decrease in strikeouts, that's the main takeaway from what Michael Harris has been able to do for this team. And let's hope that he finds a way to win the gold glove in center field because he's still been outstanding defensively. He's been a plus war defensive player. Even when he was struggling offensively, his defense has still never let him down. So pretty remarkable when you look at from where Michael Harris started this year to where he is now that the numbers have literally just mirrored one another from what he did last year in winning rookie of the year. All right, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard your first listen. Be sure to go into whatever podcast platform that you listen on. Let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. We call them our everydayers, and we want to know from you guys. Leave us a comment that whatever your uh, podcast platform that you're on, let us know that you're an everyday or listening in five days a week to the program. We also ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast, get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app as well, and then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.